You are listening to the all-new Cyber.fm. Happy New Year 2022. Thank God it finally hit. I was, it was like, remember school and the last five minutes of class felt like 10? <laughs> That's how 2021 yeah. ended for me. Down yeah. to uh, Betty White. We lost Betty White. That's the perfect ending of 2021 for me. It's got to, it's got to end. It's got to be over. Well, you had a, you had a rough old time. You had that vaccination and um, had COVID and you, you know, you, your COVID cough took a while to go and you've still got the COVID fog. I've got the COVID fog for sure. I can't tell lettuce from cabbage, bananas <laughs> from cucumbers. Don't send me shopping. <laughs> go any excuse to get out doing the groceries. Yeah, that's, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Is my wife listening? <laughs> Am I? <laughs> so, okay. so we have a brand new, this is, we got to treat this like it's brand new. 2022, I know um, the Digital Bytes podcast, we, we cover what goes out in that newsletter from the previous issue. And then, you know, we cover the guest speaker, we bring them on, we talk about, you know, whatever it is that they focus on, on top of summarizing what I would, I would personally say is, you know, the top best picks out of that newsletter, uh, which we definitely have a good start for. In 2022, I know you've got um, Takatoshi Shibayama coming out later from Copper, and yep. uh, I like saying his name, so that's cool. But yeah, you're you're better at saying his name than I am. I I I'm, I'm I'll end up calling him Taki, and that really wouldn't be very polite. But um, I, I thought you were uh, going to call him Satoshi, and I thought he would like that. <laughs> he probably would like it. He said, "Oh no, I've finally being discovered." Finally I am Satoshi. <laughs> but, uh, but, in the, but in yeah, the well, it's great, James. It's, right? You know, Happy New Year, mate, and. Great to be back on the ways with you. And, um, you know, this is all about really trying to tell people a little bit more about sort of what's happening with blockchain technology, looking at a couple of the macroeconomic things that are going to impact us um, and digital assets, you know, from crypto, NFTs, digital equities, digital bonds, DeFi. There's a whole range of topics. And we, we do the uh, weekly newsletter called Digital Bytes, uh, which we email to people. Um, goes out to about 100, 100 about 120,000 people literally all over the world, translating Catalan and French and uh, Chinese. Um, and we do our weekly radio show, which goes out to four points, over 4.6 million listeners now on cyber.fm. And uh, as you say, we get on a, a guest. Um, so we try and get a guest once a week to come on and just talk about, you know, the advantages, the disadvantages of the technology that is blockchain and or digital assets but we're, we're obviously we're not authorized to give financial advice that's not what we're doing this isn't to try and tip sheets or recommendations for what to buy it's more thought-provoking education and that's uh, that's the role that we're we're trying to offer to um to, to the listeners but thank you for for joining us uh, for today's digital bites yeah i would i would say you do not want to trade like i do don't take my advice even if i accidentally give it away <laughs> So one of the things, James, that I thought was really interesting was um, that there's a dictionary called the Collins Dictionary, and they sort of list out their, the top 10 of words um, for the year. And in 2021, out of those top 10, three were sort of effectively sort of crypto um, and tech related. The, the number one word was actually non-fungible tokens, NFT, but also in there um, you had the word crypto and you had the word metaverse. And I suspect that there's a reasonable chance that NFT and metaverse may actually um, feature quite highly again 
in 2022 because when you got the likes of Facebook um, getting involved, um, when you got the likes of Samsung who've just introduced a TV um, whereby you'd be able to sort of trade, display, and, and see your NFTs, you know these these two topics in particular are becoming um, arguably much more mainstream, and we're going to see a lot more sort of discussion around that. So. They're, they're the three words which um, Collins Dictionary sort of identified. Um, meanwhile, on Reddit, they reckon that um, that's the sort of messaging and online community, which some of your listeners will be familiar with. Um, and they said that the number one subject was crypto. So um, I think to some extent that kind of justifies why we do the Digital Byte show on Cyber.fm here, because the, these topics are things where people that they're generally interested um, there's a good old FOMO, you know, fear of missing out because they see some of these Dogecoins and Shibu and, you know, some of these ones that we saw last year, which have literally gone up tens of thousands of percent only to fall. Um, and, and on that note, um, regular listeners will be, no doubt be very mindful that today, um, which is what January the 7th, Bitcoin price is, you know, hovering around about sort of $42,000 down from 64000 but up from where it was this time last year, sort of around about twenty. Eight thirty thousand. So um, it's an asset where the price does go up and down a lot. It is volatile, but nevertheless, the technology behind Bitcoin and behind these cryptocurrencies, I think that's the that's the thing which is really of interest. Because how can you use that technology in your business, in your life? And I know Takatoshi is going to be talking a little bit about that as to you know simplistic things like you know domestic cleaners and security guards and people that um, you know some of the lowest paid members of our society that then remit and send money back to their loved ones in other countries for well, digital assets can actually help that remittance that payment to your loved ones and family um, much much cheaper than the normal banking system so in many many different ways we're seeing it being used maybe next year we'll do the whole decade in review right because i think uh well bitcoin turned 13 years of it age did. it did right this this week it became a teenager it became a teenager, a rebel. <laughs> rebel without a cause. So it's fitting. I guess at the age of 13 in the United States, that's the official legal age that you're allowed to go on the internet on your own, right? Without like parental <laughs> guidance. It's true. That's a true story. So finally, <laughs> Bitcoin is allowed to be on Reddit, in which case that makes sense. The most searched word for the year on Reddit is crypto. Wow. I like it. Yeah. I didn't so realize also, that. I like the whole dictionary thing, but last year I wasn't a part of this, so I missed out on the 2021 predictions, even though we got to cover them earlier. So now I'm, I'm excited to be a part of this year's um, predictions. Are there any, uh, I don't, you know, let's talk about climate change first. I think we don't associate climate change with crypto by default. No, no. If, if anything's juxtaposed, because obviously crypto in particular, blockchains like Bitcoin, whereby proof of works, you use huge amounts of computing power, energy to to actually be able to mine, I be able to sort of get um, new Bitcoins. And there's been lots and lots of stories about the amount of power required, electricity required to mine Bitcoins is the equivalent to what some countries use in a year. And, and those those headlines are sort of, you know, classic, easy to sort of cite um, the reality is, is there's also lots and lots of evidence to say that a lot of the cryptocurrency mining um, for, for the likes of Bitcoin is actually carried out by renewable energy sources. Um, and indeed, we're seeing lots and lots of companies um, relocating out of China at the moment, where they were using a lot of the hydroelectricity, and they're relocating to places like Texas, 
where there's lots of wind um, and there's lots of solar energy. So, um, but, but the reason that we have put climate change in here as, a, as something to look out for in reference to cryptocurrency is, is not really the energy consumption, but, and this is a key word and I apologize to regular listeners, but you know, one of the key things that blockchain technology gives you is transparency. So it gives you the ability to be able to track and trace and monitor um, whether it's money, um, whether it's sort of, um, you know, pearls from the Australian coast or whether it's honey or whether it's um, Colbert that's used an electric, maybe an electric battery for your new car, for example, James. Um, these companies are using blockchain technology to be able to say to um, their customers or their shareholders or their staff, we can tell you where these goods have come from and we can therefore assure you that there is sustainability um, and we're being mindful about our environmental, social and corporate governance, um, our, our climate change. So we're not doing things which are um, you know, having a huge impact on society. So blockchain technology very much um, is something whereby they can encourage a change of behavior. Um, and we've talked about this before, nudge economics, I nudging you to change your behavior. So the, the classic example is the seatbelts in your car. The governments have said, OK, every new car has to have seatbelts. And therefore, when you get in the car and in America, you know, you have you have these sort of arms that seem to come around you to almost almost embrace you. So that you have to put your seatbelt on and, you know, go back 30 years ago. You didn't have seatbelts in the cars. And um, so they're trying to nudge you to change your behavior. And that's the same way with some of these digital assets. Um, we'll all be familiar with loyalty schemes and sort of. They just, you know, you know, some of the coffee bars still do it. You have a bit of paper and they clip it or stamp it. And when you've had 10 coffees, they give you a free one um, or your loyalty points on air travel or doing your groceries. And they give you a discount of certain products. Well, all of those sort of analog paper based systems are slowly going to get replaced. Um, and a lot of them, I think, are going to you'll end up creating tokens, coins, currencies, don't matter what you want to call it. And they'll be incentivizing you to you know, fly with the same airline or rent the same from the same car rental company or shop in the same place. And instead of having hundreds of these things with all sorts of different companies, which you don't really use, there'll be some interoperability. So you can then combine all of them instead of spending them just on American Airlines or just on Hertz Rent-A-Car, you'll be able to use them and combine them all and then spend them in one place. So it'll be much more user-friendly for you. And I, I, we see the technology of blockchain and digital assets being very much an enabler of that. So I suppose at the, uh, at the end of the day, if I really wanted to, oh, there's my dog barking. You got the dog all excited. The, uh, <laughs> the, so if I want to track my dog food, say I order on that bulk site and I get the dog food and I want to know that it's running on a, an electric truck to be shipped, I would have that. If, if the logistics chain offered that, I'd be able to choose, okay, I'm going to choose a dog food provider that ships on electric trucks and then i that's my part of of uh helping my carbon footprint absolutely because a differentiator for the dog food company is if one dog food company is able to prove that it's got a lower carbon footprint then who knows they could either charge a small premium because it's climate friendly dog food um or they say well okay well buy us as opposed to someone else because someone else they can't tell you where it comes from and it might be the electric delivery or it might actually be where does the dog food come from you know and i want to you know dog food by itself it's not high quality meat but i'd imagine most people wouldn't be very happy if you were told that it was i don't know 
reconstituted cats or horses or rats or you know something horrible like that whereas if you can have a certainty and transparency and see you know along the chain or maybe even you know how it's actually made and and, and can, we're as consumers we're asking for more and more of that information um and alongside that i, I think we're going to see on food labeling i think we're going to see some sort of the carbon footprint and you know are these are these oranges are they more friendly towards the climate as opposed to these oranges um, or the shrimps that I'm buying? Um, are they coming from sustainable sources in Asia, let's say somewhere, whereby you know they're not overfishing the, the, the shrimp population because these are individual families and they've been doing it for years and there's some sort of consistency as opposed to hoovering up the ocean floor and then the factory ship just moves on to sort of destroy the next bit of beach and coastline accordingly. So but the whole thing of provenance is, is really quite important and and that's linked very much into climate change and ensuring that the practices are sustainable and in order to know the practice sustainable you need to have transparency and proof of what they're actually saying right we've talked a lot about the environmental uh social governance stuff so that does go hand in hand you're right that that makes a lot of sense I, yeah. i'm not going to cover esg too much because we we've, we've been we hit that pretty hard in the past yep. um uh, some things that stand out to me i'm more of that what, what do i call myself the village idiot right nfts and the metaverse that's the fun stuff you think 2022 is going to really focus on what do you think nfts or metaverse or some sort of relationship well i think the reason we put those two together um in in the in the newsletter this week is that um, the, the metaverse is, is something which is um, at one level quite tricky to get your head around. You know, you know, I run into enough problems in my day to day life. I, I don't need an avatar and go into a virtual life and find that, you know, Johnny Virtual is up to all sorts of mischief. But, you know, you've seen the recent announcement from uh, Microsoft saying that they're going to create their own metaverse. And that's going to be part of the Teams um, bit of software. Uh, obviously, Facebook um, have renamed themselves Meta and they want to create a metaverse. Um, but, you know, just 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 think of this. If you're maybe maybe you're in a profession, you're an accountant or you're a lawyer or you're a fund manager. And every year you have to do so many hours of continual professional development. And I'm sure you remember this from um, your Wall Street days, uh, Jamie and, and, and James and, and people there had to do continual professional development um, around money laundering um, and know your client. Well, you can either have someone stand up and go, jaw, 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 or you can do some sort of, you know, web-based thing. Alternatively, um, we, can, we can go into a metaverse and we can actually be taken through some real examples um, of some of the different sort of scams and some of the things to look out for and make it much more interactive and say, right, OK, Johnny, we're going we're gonna to put you as the, as the potential criminal and we're going to see... Um, if James can catch you as you try and launder money in different ways. And the chances are, and, and all that will be done in a virtual, it'll look like you're going into um, a bank or look like you're about to do some sort of fraudulent activity. But the chances are you'll remember it. So the metaverse at the moment, most of us think of it as perhaps gaming um, and sort of playtime. But I think as we see the likes of Microsoft and making it part of the team suite, you'll actually be put you're going to have to headsets on you'll then go into that environment and i think it'll be a richer and a better learning environment and so instead of getting you know all the people from you know all over different locations to do sort of training and things like that you'll be able to do it you know from your home or from your regional offices and make the the learning experience and the continual professional development accreditation 
much more valuable. So, so that's a so that that's from a business point of view. And then the, the reason NFTs actually fit into all of that is that within that virtual artificial world, if you like, then as you're walking down the street, then you know to make it more lifelike, you're going to see billboards. You're going to see buses driving by, and they'll have adverts for Coca-Cola or Pizza Express or for Chanel, you know, perfume and you know, or Nike Nike sneakers. And all of these brands are now looking at the metaverse and saying, look, more people are spending more time online. You know, the days of sitting down with mum and dad on a Saturday night and watching TV are becoming less and less. And therefore, there's no point of spending as much um, in, in newspapers and magazines and on the television. We need to spend our money where the people that we want to get to are. And I think with NFTs, um, you're going to see more advertising, more products being sold as um, and using the technology NFTs within metaverses. And, and that's why the, I think the two actually fit together quite, quite interestingly. Well, I tell you what, so you and I were talking offline and my wife called, right? And she said, yep. uh, basically, I know that she's coming home from her school where she teaches and uh, she teaches special needs children. And COVID started to, we, we heard rumor of COVID coming back, uh, making an appearance. And, we, and I said to us, I said, oh, we're going back to Zoom, right? We're going to. We're going to go back to Zoom, I bet. So in, that would become a metaverse thing where ch- maybe not children, but if you joined NFTs together, one thing I hated about college was buying the books, yep. renting the books. I hated that. <laughs> I loved it when it came time to sell them back. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but I hated them in the, the beginning. So now let's fast forward eight, I don't know, eight years, right? So you're saying we're going to go into metaverse put on our equipment. I'm going to walk into my college bookstore and buy the NFTs of the books that I need via... Well, James, I think you go one... I think you go further. What, 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 is, what is a book? What, very often, a book is trying to paint a picture, tell a story, to explain, um, you know, how, how to, you know, how perhaps a chemical experiment or think from biology, the different parts of the body and the anatomy. So... Rather than having a book and reading a book and have to then picture it in your mind, maybe what we're going to see is a metaverse whereby um, at an extreme, you could well see um, some eminent surgeon um, in, in Singapore or New York actually teaching you and walking through the operation for a patient in, in London or Mumbai or Hong Kong. And effectively, you're being operated on or assisted by a highly specialized surgeon in one country and the procedures being carried out um, but by, by, by someone locally. It's creating situation environments. In that, in that case, it's sort of you know, augmented reality because they're actually augmenting and making it look as if, it, if the surgeon from another country is actually there. But from a student's point of view, you know, if, you're, if you're talking about, I don't know, you know some, some sort of uh, mathematical experiments or you're talking about the solar system, well, why not take the student into the solar system want to give them a quick spin around um, the moon um, and up to um, Uranus or Pluto or Saturn or Venus and, and actually show them what it looks like. That would be much more memorable than reading, you know, the chapter on the solar universe, wouldn't it? Yeah, planetarium experience. That would be ultimate. That would yeah. do it. Turn you into a Star Trekkie. Right? Star Trekkie. <laughs> so that makes sense, right? I go into Metaverse and next thing I know, I'm in, I'm in Mars for real with Elon. Yeah. But you wouldn't need to buy the book. So you wouldn't need to chop the trees down and you wouldn't need to say, oh, but this book is six weeks, sorry, six years out of date. Because 
it's all digital. It's all updated as is updated. You know, that, you know, it's a big thing. CAD software. Remember CAD software? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had a friend of mine back, you know, years ago. His job was to build anti-lock braking systems for vehicles. And he had to use CAD software to create that. It showed the heat dissipation, the amount of warp in the rotors, brake pad, the wear down time. So that makes absolute sense. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're getting your hands into what normally you would read about. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and if you're more engaged with different senses, you know, certainly sight and certainly sound, then, then that's going to hopefully um, make it more real and more memorable for you. And that's kind of what learning is all about. How do you, how do you, how do you get people to remember what you've told them? And, and what's more, once, once the lesson's over, potentially there's no reason why I could say, look, I really didn't quite understand is, is Mercury closer or further from the sun than Venus? I, I can't remember. Well, bang, you could walk straight back into the solar system on your own and you say, oh, there you go. Bang, bang, bang. Got it. So you don't have to email the teacher or look it up on a reference book. You, you've got it. You've got it there to actually help you and remember again. All right. We'll be able to cheat on whole new levels, too. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> oh, my God. Years ago, back in the 90s. When you write your answers inside your sunglasses. <laughs> inside your sunglasses. Take your, so I'm just taking my sunglasses off here. Oh, <laughs> C, the answer is E. All right. Good old Ray Ben. Yeah, that's that's why I have no education at all. I just winged it. <laughs> so that's uh, that's good. You know, we're about 20 minutes in. Do you like the boring well, okay, stuff? So there's, like... there's, there's two other ones which I think we need to keep an eye on in particular. Okay. Um, one, one is one is the whole thing about DeFi, um, decentralized finance. Oh, um, DeFi is that boring? Yeah, yeah. And and I, you know, we people are familiar with traditional finance. Well, I, I say people are familiar with it. You know, having spent a, most of my working life in financial services, people in the UK do not like talking about money. You don't talk about money, and you don't talk about tax, and you don't talk about death. They're oh, like yeah. the real taboo subject. Yeah. Whereas oh, in America, I know. Absolutely. You're, you know, you're at a ball game and you can hear people talking about the latest share they've bought or which mutual fund they like and all that sort of stuff. There are 1.8 billion people in the world um, that are not involved in the sort of financial system as you and I know it, either the unbanked. And that's according to um, the inter sort of uh, supranational bank, the, the World Bank. And potentially what DeFi gives you is the ability to be able to engage digitally borrow money, lend money, get access to insurance, um, the whole thing around decentralized or autonomous authorities, DAOs. And I, I know we're, we've, we've got some guests lined up over the next few weeks who are going to be talking about DAOs. And we, we're just in the process of doing an article at the moment, looking at um, how DAOs can be potentially um, used um, as a way to actually replace venture capital financing. And, and there's, a, there's an article just breaking um, you may remember Blockbuster Videos. Um, you remember that company? Wow, what a difference. Absolutely. Well, they're looking to put a DAO is being created um, to actually raise money to buy back that brand and then turn it into a video production company. But that DAO is going to be a DeFi, a decentralized finance, a little bit like a cooperative. So I, th I think DeFi is going to become really, really big um, in the next uh, year, 18 months. And sitting alongside that, um, I think they'll be trading um, what I call digital wrapped assets. So these are equities like Microsoft and like Tesla and like BP um, and like Deutsche Bank. And these are companies or there might be bonds that are issued by 
um, AT&T or by Sony, or they might be um, commodities. So it might be silver, gold, lithium, and they're all going to be held within, the, within a digital wrapper and then sitting on these DeFi exchanges because they'll be able to be traded faster and cheaper and potentially traded 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I think that whilst at one level, when you talk about finance, a lot of people sort of glaze over. I think as we start seeing it being more inclusive and more accessible, then I think that hopefully people will then get a little bit more engaged and then take more responsibility for their own finances rather than just saying, oh, it's too complicated, don't understand, I, I haven't got a broker or whatever, and or, or I don't even have a bank account, so why do I care? Hopefully, the technology of blockchain and the creation of these digital assets that use that technology will will be more inclusive, embrace people a little bit more than we've done to date with other types of finance. Yeah. And you know what? I'd go as far as to say, probably going back to like even NFTs for a moment in a DeFi environment, it would be Planet Fitness. I don't know if you have that out there. You know, a gym offering mm -hmm. membership passes that you would go and mint yourself. Have you heard about this? This would be, they're doing it for certain venues, but everybody knows what a gym is. Yeah. So that's how you would train that particular community to get into DeFi and to say, welcome yep. to the gym, monthly membership, click here to mint out your membership pass. Yep. Next thing you know, they're trading crypto and worrying about the price of Doge. <laughs> when he said gym, I thought he said, gin. was that talking about gin and tonic then? Oh, I was talking about gym, like Planet Fitness. or <laughs> I can only imagine if I could print out gin, I'd probably go for some Jack Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> you're a good old american boy i'm the derelict i'll take the whiskey the big dirty brown whiskey green label you guys like the clear stuff right absolutely yeah no, nothing better than a nice nice fine malt whiskey but, but there you go but uh james we we better we better crack on because i know we've got our, our guest waiting for us after after the break um, and he's uh, Takayoshi, and he's he's going to he's from Copper, and he's going to be giving us a, a brief sort of rundown and overview of some of the uh, changing what's happening in the Asia Pacific area. So um, it's great. We were on three different continents. We were obviously in, in Asia, um, yourself in um, in America, and uh, here I am in Blighty, um, just south of London today. So a real international show we've got for the listeners. And you like to be everywhere. You're in France one day, Switzerland the next. I never know where you are. Well, you know, you got to. We just got to keep listening and talking to people. We, you know, we're learning every day. But, um, but yeah. But but uh, just before we go, if if people would like a copy of Digital Bytes, then um, either contact James uh, Tiley at Cyber.fm, um, or he's on LinkedIn, or myself Johnny Fry J O N Y F R Y. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, and obviously Cyber.fm. If you click on there, um, you can listen to. Um, the show, if you've missed it, it's on a continual loop, um, the different episodes um, that we've been recording now. So you can catch up on other other topics and episodes that we've been discussing with various different guests. Oh, yeah. As the group goes, I mean, 2022 is going to be fun. I think we got some technology coming down the pipes and you're going to improve on the, uh, the membership signups. We're going to make it easier on the website, too. But yeah, right now, click on our faces, catch the old shows. Fantastic. OK, James, we'll catch up after the break. All right. We'll see you in like two minutes. So we're back to a new 2022, and uh, on the second half of this show, Johnny Fry went ahead and brought us Takatoshi Shibayama. He's from Copper, and uh, we're bringing him on right now. What do you think, Johnny? Exactly. Um, it's, it's a real mouthful. And, and, and Taki, first of all, thank you very much for um, joining us. It's um, it's obviously, um, it's the 7th of, uh, uh, sorry, what am I talking about? It's the yeah, Jan 7th of January here in UK in the afternoon. 
Um, it's the morning for Jane. I know, just already. But for you, I know we're calling you about, oh, blimey, about 11 o'clock at night in Singapore. So you must be almost ready to climb into your bed, having had a sort of first week back at the office. Yeah, well, it's a pleasure uh, to be on the show. Thank you very much uh, for inviting me. Yes, it is 11 p.m. Uh, I, would, I would have to admit that I'm in my pajamas. So <laughs> thank God it's not a video recording. <laughs> Oh, blimey. Well at, least, well, at least you're not calling from Australia where they wear stripy pajamas all the time, I'm told, <laughs> along with Paul and Jane. But we better, not, we better not sort of talk ill of the Australians, even though they keep beating us at cricket. But, but there you go. Um, <laughs> Taki, I'd love to know a little bit more. We, we, we've not met. I know, obviously, some of your colleagues in the London office of Copper. But it'd be just great to get a bit of background on what you were doing before you joined Copper and then talk about the article you've written, which was um, talking about is Singapore raising the global standard in crypto asset regulation. So we'll get into that. But it'd be great just to get a bit of background about yourself and what you're doing before Copper. Yeah, sure. So I started um, working in investment banking from 2001. I primarily covered the distressed assets in corporate uh, special situations. Uh, I was a desk analyst analyzing companies that are going through uh, distress cycles uh, and looking at their balance sheets, um, cash flows, and try to recover the debt assets that we've acquired. So that was kind of my uh, first seven years, uh, nearly seven years into investment banking. And then after the global financial crisis, I moved over to the hedge fund side where I relocated to Singapore. And I've been covering the wider APAC region in the same strategy uh, until almost uh, 2000, yeah, towards the end of 2018. And uh, the last, uh, financial job that I had was uh, co-founding a, a hedge fund that looked at Japanese uh, value investing strategies across the equity market and also distressed. And we uh, raised about 200 million and we grew the hedge fund to about a billion dollars under uh, management. And after that, um, I've kind of semi-retired and I was looking at various uh, investment opportunities using my own uh, personal wealth. And uh, well, before, back in like 2016, I had uh, a huge interest in cryptocurrencies and uh, invest in, in my own money, but I, I've decided to, in 2018, really get into the industry. So I started my own uh, startup called uh, Blockchain Singapore, where we created enterprise solutions for, on, on the blockchain technology. And uh, we were gaining some momentum, but obviously I have to admit, uh, I guess we were quite early and a lot of them just turned into POCs and, and then COVID hit and all the projects kind of disappeared. So I had to close down my business uh, in 2020 and spent the year kind of thinking what to do next. And, and then I, I uh, advisor for Copper had um, reached out to me and said, hey, I, I know you haven't worked for about a year. Um, Copper has been looking for a, a person to head the Asia operations. So why don't you have a chat with them? And that's how I got my job at Copper. I see, I see. But, but so what, obviously you've come from a little bit like myself and a little bit like James, we've, we've both been involved. Uh, James obviously more street than self here in, in the UK in the asset management and sort of 
regulated industry. What, what got your, what tickled your fancy? What, what encouraged you to um, get involved in sort of digital assets and cryptocurrencies then? Because, you know, neither of us are sort of, well, none of us, I assume, are spring chickens in the sense that we've all been around a little bit. So what, I'm, I'm always interested why, why people like us get involved in this um, and, and what, 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 why, what did you like about it? Yeah. So I was never really interested in the speculation aspect of digital currencies. Um, so when I heard about um, cryptocurrencies, uh, when I was doing my own research, and I always wanted to invest in uh, about 10% uh, of my savings into gold. And I thought, you know, because I moved around quite a lot uh, during my tenure at uh, different uh, hedge funds, and moving around gold was not an easy task to do. And yeah. I was thinking about, is there any digital option uh, for this? And obviously ETFs was not really my uh, cup of tea. Um, it, mm -hmm. There's no actual delivery of the product. So I wanted to find something that has the same characteristics. And I did come across uh, Bitcoin, uh, which has 21 million of uh, issued tokens in the future. And there's always a cap and it's uh, deflationary. So in that sense, I thought this might be a very good option to get into. And back then, there was not that much research around Bitcoin as there is now. And um, as I kind of dug into it, I thought, what is the actual use case? Is it really a digital option for gold or is it something else? And I started thinking about, um, so I, I lived in Hong Kong at, uh, and also right now in Singapore. And there's quite a lot of uh, domestic helpers that are transferring funds um, or their savings or their salaries back to their family. And I thought these people are paying 10 to 15% yeah. of fees. It's criminal. Uh, of isn't cent it? criminal. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. And that's like, you know, several days of their work, right? So, um, and I thought is these people can definitely benefit from sending cryptocurrencies back home because uh, back then it was faster and definitely cheaper as well. And, yeah. and, you know, there must be many people all over the world uh, thinking that sending money across uh, global borders, paying exorbitant fees, and also waiting two plus one, or in some cases, two or three, um, yeah. are thinking, of, isn't there a better way to do this? So that's kind of sparked my interest a little bit. And then after that, I thought, okay, well, it does have a characteristic of gold. So can people who are saving in let's say us dollars or having to experience inflationary uh, monetary policies can they actually benefit from having bitcoin as well because i know that even my wife is from uruguay and uh, she was always telling me that um, there were a lot of people from argentina crossing over the border to uruguay with bags full of uh, us dollars trying to open up deposit accounts in uruguay and I thought, well, these people can also, they don't have to carry bags full of cash. I mean, they could just have Bitcoin in their USB sticks and just move over. And then yeah. there's a lot of countries out there that have experienced this inflationary monetary policies or um, countries with capital restrictions uh, of moving funds around. All these people can actually store cryptocurrencies in their USB sticks, get on a flight and open an account uh, on the other side and take the money out. So I thought, you know, this is the best use case that I can ever think of about cryptocurrency. 
um, that is away from the government governmental restrictions. And uh, it's basically um, liberation of money. So I thought that that was that that really got me into this um, cryptocurrency industry. Okay, but but isn't that a mecca for nefarious actors and money launderers if they can wander around instead of having a, a sack full of cash, which obviously um, is going to get detected it's by the metal detectors and the like at the airports. If you just got a USB stick, then no one knows. Isn't that isn't that a way to move money discreetly, anonymously, and potentially money laundering? Yeah, of course. And I think that's a huge use case for that industry as well. And I have considered that. But you know, I think the benefit outweighs the negative impact of this as well. Now, I mean, right. even fiat currencies always experience money laundering all the time, yeah. criminal activities as well. So, but are we going to abolish fiat currencies because of that? No, because the benefit outweighs that. So, you know, there's always going to be a byproduct or negative byproduct of this. But I, I definitely think there's a lot more beneficial use cases for cryptocurrency. Okay, okay. And it's, it's interesting because you, you've got personal experience of being in Hong Kong, which obviously we've seen some big changes in society and restrictions and the like um, in the last, um, well, the last 20 years in particular. Uh, and yet Singapore has um, held itself out as being, I think it's fair to say, a, a beacon of sort of strong regulation, but, but very open-minded um in in sort of for business as a whole and that seems to be the case also for digital assets is, is that your experience as well yeah I, I think that's just really um just coincidentally occurred in singapore i mean obviously singapore was promoting startups uh to be based in singapore because of its uh, low tax rates and very easy to understand corporate uh taxes as well and and obviously hong kong has a similar characteristics but as you can tell, you know, starting from 2014 onwards, there's been a lot of democratic um, uh, marches and 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 uh, and the strong foothold that China has in Hong Kong has definitely deterred a lot of the startup scene uh, to move over to Singapore. And plus, a lot of the financial institutions, whether it be uh, banks or hedge funds, family offices have been allocating more resources into Singapore. So that combination definitely benefited Singapore. Um, and I think it was kind of a, a lucky coincidence that all this has happened at the same time. Okay, and in your travels around, because I appreciate you're not just focused in your role at Copper, just on um, Asia Pacific, on, on sorry, Singapore, you're looking at Asia Pacific. What other countries are, would you say, a pro and what other countries are perhaps a little bit more negative or, or cautious about um, cryptocurrencies at the moment? Yeah, to me, it seems like Philippines has been very optimistic in the approach that they've been taking. Um, you know, surprisingly, a lot of the Southeast Asian countries, even North Asian countries, have developed their own regulations around it and each have been, um, uh, have their own kind of nuances on how to regulate the industry. I, I feel like Southeast Asia has been more embracive and I feel like the North Asian countries have been more restrictive. So, um, and I, I think that kind of counts to how developed the country is or are and Southeast Asia in particular, as I mentioned about all the characteristics of uh, the beneficial characteristics of cryptocurrency definitely benefits the local communities. And I feel like 
the regulators have been more up, um, positive of the adoption of cryptocurrencies, whereas I feel like, like let's say, uh, South Korea or China has been more restrictive in terms of uh, capital flight and also um, the kind of craze around cryptocurrencies from the retail investors that they've been taking a much more um, stronger approach to tighten the regulations. Um, Japan's quite unique. I mean, the, in the beginning, they have um, really tried to embrace this technology of crypto trading, uh, but it has regulated a lot of the uh, innovations out of it. So they just only want people to just trade cryptocurrency. They don't really embrace blockchain technology or trying to promote startups uh, in the cryptocurrency space. So it kind of died down a little bit uh, after the regulations uh, came in back in 2017. Right, right. Okay. Uh, and obviously copper, you know, they're, 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 they're promoting a much more regulated stance. I know you do a lot with um, helping establish funds and settlement and bits and pieces. Um, so obviously that's your, your role is, is very much promoting on the, the regulated and making sure that, you know, clients are adhering to sort of KYC and AML standards, which presumably endears you to this, um, to the Singapore regulators, because they want to make sure that companies there are being run in a sort of very controlled manner rather than sort of freewheeling and no respect for regulation. Yes, that's definitely true. So we as an institutional custodian for cryptocurrencies uh, work with a lot of institutional investors and they are very concerned about regulations as well. So we want to be compliant as possible. And we find that the regulations in Singapore is probably one of the most comprehensive and, and also at the same time, uh, very strict at the same time. So I think that Singapore is going to be a um, uh, going to be like a standard, uh, definitely for the APAC region, and that's where we want to be based in. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. Well, I, I, I'm fascinating. I, I, I could talk to you ages about what's going on in, in Asia Pacific, like, but I'm I'm mindful bedtime is probably calling for you, and, <laughs> and the show's cracking on. James, before we go, um, no more no lullabies. But have you got any questions or thoughts you'd, for? Um, Takashoshi uh, um, at the moment? Well, he was reminding me of uh, back when I first got into it. I was in New York City, and uh, I had like I had like five, six Bitcoin, you know, at any given time. Because they were a dollar each. And there was a deli in New York City that was selling the famous bacon, egg, and cheese sandwiches, you know, for 1.8 Bitcoin. Scan your <laughs> QR code. And I said to myself, this is the greatest thing that's going to happen in the future. Now you could argue all day, it's slow now, and you know, it's expensive. Now that same sandwich is 0 0.00001, you know, Bitcoin. Yeah. But initially, back, you know, a decade ago, it really, if you were into finance, like, this is the greatest thing ever. Like, he talked about throwing his money on a, on a USB key and flying out to Singapore. Mm -hmm. But it, it led me to the, the question that appeared in my mind was, and consider me the dumb American New Yorker over here. What goes through your mind when we get these rumors and, and FUD, for lack of a better word, about China banning crypto? You know, clearly there's two different Chinas, right? So we just hear that dumb news about banning crypto. And then when I hear about Singapore taking all of these measures, I say to myself, am I being lied to, like through media? 
Um, you know, the, the crypto ban is definitely true. Uh, we have seen a lot of the Chinese clients that we've been working with having to close down shop or having to move their entities to an offshore uh, location so that they can avoid the um, you know, arrests and all these um, measures that the Chinese government has been taking to crypto companies and seen like the large exchanges like Huobi, OKX move their headquarters to Singapore. So it is definitely true. I mean, obviously there's always a double standard, right? So um, I think the real reason that China wanted to ban cryptocurrencies is that there's been a lot of capital flight using cryptocurrencies, obviously, and also that they want to introduce their own um, central bank digital currency. So they wanted to ban all the alternative cryptocurrencies in their view uh, out of the country. But at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not privy to this information completely, but I'm sure there's a lot of people in the senior political um, <laughs> um, scene that has been using cryptocurrencies to move funds out of the country uh, in safer locations. So um, it's, it's definitely a kind of double-edged sword. Yeah, I was definitely yeah. curious about the, uh, I guess the perspective of it, you know, from, from one side of the pond, or in your case, the bigger pond, the Pacific Ocean, the, you know, the way we hear it here, but yeah, right. Yeah. The perspective is, it's always, it seems like it's always changing over there. It's good info. Yeah. But I think what's interesting there is what you're saying, um, uh, Taki, is, is that they've, some of the, some of the jurisdictions you mentioned China, and I think it's, it's very easy for um, non-Chinese people, and certainly here in Europe, and, and, and I've got friends and colleagues in, in, in the US, and it's very easy to fall into a sort of a xenophobic anti-Chinese speak. But at the end of the day, they're, 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 they're undergoing their own, changes their economies are developing and they do things which we don't necessarily agree with or we don't necessarily understand but um you know there's, there's the world the world isn't just about uncle sam unfortunately james you know there's a there's a lot more people outside america than inside and this with china and um it's different different styles different things but what i find interesting is that um some of the companies that were were in china as you say relocated to singapore um and the chinese and the singapore they, they do operate very closely together and people can travel between the two freely. So um, maybe that's a, if, if like almost a little bit of a backdoor for people that are sitting on their USB sticks and perhaps they do pop down to Singapore occasionally and, and cash in their cash in some of the holdings or, or, or top them up accordingly because they are more comfortable with the regulations and, and the like that Singapore offer. Yeah, um, we do experience sure. the same thing here. New York has a completely different regulatory environment than, say, Tennessee. Or so Wyoming. Wyoming, the yeah. king of uh, the Dow, right? King of the Dow. Or, or look, look at all the hedge funds that you have in Cayman and Bermuda and, you know, all those sort of offshore locations. So, you know, we every jurisdiction has its has its offshore sort of center as, as such. But, um, well, look, okay, look, that's really interesting. Thank you very much for the article. And um, and if anyone wants to get hold of you, um, Taki, in terms of more information, it's the, how's the best way sort of via the Copper website or... You're on LinkedIn, so um, is, is that the best way to get hold of you? Yeah, sure. So LinkedIn, uh, it's my full name, Takatoshi Shibayama. I know it's hard to jot everything down. <laughs> um, so it's T-A-K-A-T-O-S-H-I, uh, last name S-H-I-B-A-Y-A-M-A. -A -A. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm on Twitter, uh, you know, all these social media platforms. I think LinkedIn is the best way to get hold of me. Brilliant. Well, look, thank you very much. Uh, sweet dreams. 
And um, don't dream of James and I, because that'd be a nightmare. <laughs> James, that's 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 our first show of the year. So thanks very much for getting it organised. And we'll be back on the back on the waves next week with a, a new guest and more information about some of the other developments that are going on um, using blockchain technology and digital assets in various different locations, different uses. It's not just financial services. Um, it's it's retail, it's the film industry, it's a petrochemical, all sorts of different examples that we, we provide. Um, but thank you for listening to today. And um, we look forward to you joining us um, on next week's Digital Byte Show.